is where business ideas and passions turn into profit. Napkin ideas are no longer tucked away in drawers, and women around the globe are turning their hobbies into million-dollar businesses. Welcome to Million Dollar Hobbies. Here's your host, world-renowned jewelry designer and Shop HQ celebrity, Victoria Wick. All of you sitting at home right now listening to our voices here, you, you know, if you have the determination and you have that passion that just lights up inside you brighter than any other fire you've got all around you, you're going to eventually make this work. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name is Rick Nusky, and welcome to the show that gets you in front of your best audience and keeps you there. Now, on today's call, I'm on the line with Victoria Wick. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Thank you for having me. So great to be here. Yes, absolutely. My pleasure. We, you and I were just talking a little bit about our backgrounds and surnames and things like that just leading up to the call. And uh, for everybody who's on the call today, if you love uh, jewellery, if you love jewellery design, you love business, you want to learn about uh, how to be successful in this field. And uh, I think you're on the right call today because Victoria is going to share a lot about that. We're going to take a deep dive into her experience and, and actual fact. Um, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, but before we do any of that, uh, Victoria, um, I'd love to learn, uh, firstly, where you're located. Oh, I'm actually today calling in from Del Mar, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, you're in Australia, right? I am. I most certainly oh, am. Great. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm right so, near uh, um, McLaren Vale, which is a pretty well-known wine region in mm-hmm. Australia. Um, now, are you transient? Do you get around a, a fair bit? Is is? Yes, I have travelled for my business. I think thirty-five or forty countries, uh, several million miles. Obviously, with COVID, I haven't travelled a lot. But no. I actually live in um, more than one state yep. uh, because I have businesses, you know, in different parts of the country in Wonderful. the United States of America. So yes, I do. Uh, I'm looking forward to travelling specifically to get down to Australia and New Zealand. That's the only place I really haven't been. Oh. That's on my bucket list. Oh yes. So yes. Yeah. Well, look, the door the door is absolutely always open for you when you do arrive because I'm sure you'll love it. It's uh, certainly an opportunity to open some more doors and create some more connections down down south, as it were. Now, um, when you are not working. Do you, mm-hmm. do you actually ever get any time to relax? And if you do, do you have any hobbies? Do you like watching movies? What's your thing in your downtime? Yeah, so actually I started my business uh, uh, based on my hobby, which is jewelry design. Mm-hmm. And um, so I do still do a lot of sketching. You know, I love sketching. Um, you know, I'm here in San Diego where things are just blooming all the time, you know, uh, where we are. So I love to paint landscapes and so forth. I love classical music. I play classical music. I listen to, I love to go to Sydney Opera House. It's one of my bucket list things. Um, and um, I spend a lot of time with my family. Um, I started my business to spend time with them. So you, it's one of the few businesses that went from zero to $500 million in sales, which was completely designed around their schedule. Oh. So... You know, I am a mom of two and come from a culture, an Asian culture, you know, mom's very present. Um, so 
basically I was forced to look for uh, distribution outside of the United States because of the I took advantage of the time zones here. So, for example, like um, 5, 6 a.m. California time was, you know, 8, 9 a.m. New York. Yes. And it's like uh, UK time. It's, you know, like midday. Um, so I basically worked a couple of hours before I drove my kids off to school. Mm -hmm. Then um, I worked all that time for California time. And then, you know, by the time they got off school at two o'clock, I spent two to five to 6 p.m. with them, 100%. You know, I did all their activities. Then 6 p.m. California time is 10 a.m. Hong Kong, mm -hmm. uh, 11 a.m. South Korea. So I had all the distribution in Asia. So basically my business was really tooled around my family and it, and, and it hasn't really changed today. And that is a wonderful thing because you, know, you can always yeah. uh, work more, but you can't get back time once it passed by with your family, can you? Right, right. And I think um, my whole journey is really interesting because every single time, you know, I came to a point in my life, I'm like, why am I working so hard? Um, I started my business because when your business grows from nothing to 100,000, 200,000, you know, it's, it's hard, but it's manageable. Yep. But then when it gets over to $10 million, it can almost run you. Uh, because you're so busy, the stakes are so high, you feel like you have to be there for everything. So at some point, I was like, wait a minute, this is going the other way around. <laughs> you know, well, what's happening here? Yeah. So um, I had to retool. And every time I made that hard decision to say, you know what, I've had enough. And uh, I need to just check out or do something else because I refuse to have, have my businesses, my customers, my banks or whatever run my life. Yeah. So every time I did it, my business like quadrupled, basically. So, you know, for example, when I was at a TV station um, uh, at HSN, uh, which is like a second at the time was second largest TV station. Now it's a part of uh, QVC HSN. Yeah. Uh, when my contract was up, I just told them, you know, my business was, was like at the high. It was like $25, $50 million a year at the high. And uh, they were almost getting to the point where they wanted me to come every every month and, you know, seven days a month. And then I was traveling to uh, their sister network in Japan. I mean, just on and on. And I thought, you know what? I can't do this anymore. This so crazy. I told them, yeah, I told them, look, you know, I want to retire. I don't want to work anymore. And they were like, well, wait a minute. You can't do that. And I said, well, yes, I really can. Vendors can quit. Designers can quit. The, the people can quit. Trust me. Mm. So um, they basically came back and said, you know what? Um, what is it that you, you don't really like about your work? I mean, we, we really would love to have you, a little bit of you than nothing. So they came up with an idea where they're going to do the, the production. They're going to do you know all these other things and just left me doing just what I love to do, which is sketch go on TV, share my story. So I didn't have all the operational things that I had to deal with. Yeah. And then since I was only doing what I love to do, my business like just, just, it just exploded Took again. Off. Yeah. So, um, so every time I try to quit, my business grew, you know, like two, <laughs> three, 400% involuntarily. Wow. So, um, what a good problem to have. Yeah, it, it was a really good problem. And, um, now my, daughter is 28 and you know she's pregnant now you know she went through uh, so basically I quit my um even then I did pull the plug and say okay you know what when my last contract was up um I said I, I'm not going to renew this yeah I need to you know just do some other things so I did I, I left I wrote um a science fiction novel 
And, you know, it was a lot of fun. It just, I, I got out of the system. And everybody says, you know, first time author's books suck. So I said, okay, well, I'm not going to buck the trend. I'm going to just understand it sucks. So I'm going to get get my first book out as soon as possible so I can get to my second book, right? Yes. So then I wrote the second book, um, which is The Million Dollar Hobbies. And that is the the podcast that I that I host. And I've had some crazy interesting guests on on it. They're just just amazing. You know, they have compelling stories, just chill, wonderful people that I've known for years. Yep. So I'm having, you know, a lot of uh, fun with that. Um, but yeah, listening, you know, your audience, I think um, I don't want to, you know, I come from a really humble background, as mm-hmm. you might have guessed from my, ba- uh, my bio. I never forgot, like, where I came from. And when we are on TV building this, you know, I, I have I've sold over 15 million pieces of jewelry on TV. Oh, wow. So when you build this kind of relationship with the audience where they have a, you have a cult following, mm-hmm. you can't be all about you. you got to be all about the audience. Right. So um, what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, Mike, I'm here to share my experience with your audience mm-hmm. to not only to inspire them, um, it's not about, hey, you know, I accomplished amazing things. I'm here telling you a lot of the things that I've done. I mean, I just prioritize my family, yep. you know, my life, and the business came. And designed it around and, it. And designed it around it. And you can too. All of you sitting at home right now listening to our voices here, you, you know, if you have the determination and you have that passion, that just lights up inside you brighter than any other fire you've got all around you, you're going to eventually make this work. Yeah. And it's very rewarding. And, um, you know, I get into like, you know, I do have uh, an MBA. I, you know, I was told you got the fastest way to success is, you know, go get multiple degrees, you know, go to whatever, whatever they, they have a path. Yes. Yes. I did it. I was suffocating. Oh yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, I was suffocating because, you know, you have a creative person like stuck in a box and, you know, I was working for a jewelry company and I'm designing beautiful things. And then some CMO or CFO who doesn't understand jewelry or women or consumers would sit there and go, you know what, I can't fund this. So you're going to have to do X, Y, Z. And he doesn't know a thing about, you know, what women want. Mm -hmm. So I was just like suffocating. So, you know, I, I took a leap of faith. But the other thing I want to say to whoever is listening, all of you who are listening is there's no guarantee in life except failure. Uh, you yes. are going to fail. You are going to fail. Okay, <laughs> There's no question. I was going to ask you about that, Victoria. What, what, what have you actually learned from failure? What's the biggest takeaway, do you think? I think I think I failed a lot because I started my business with just like really uh, desperation uh with no money, no mentors, no nothing, no mm-hmm. connections. So you can imagine um, you fail a lot. And when you do, you know, you feel like you want to quit and you you self-doubt seeps in and you're like, okay, well, you know what? That was really stupid. Like a lot of smart people fail in business. What made, what made me think that I was going to succeed? So, you know, all these things come into play, you know, all yeah. the experts that tell you, you know. Um, so what happens is when you fail, Everything that I've ever failed in my life, they caused my success. So smaller failures lead to bigger successes. The only problem a lot of people have is when you have a small failure, you focus on the failure and you go, you know what? I tried this whole new collection. It was a bomb. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm just not going to ever, you know, do any flowers anymore because it didn't sell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would sit there and go, you know what? I love flowers. Women love flowers. Everybody love, loves flowers. Love so flowers. what was it? <laughs> yeah. What was it that, why didn't it sell? Yeah. Well, if you can figure that out, um, y- you basically end up making a better collection. So what I preach is that. The things that that are that are absolutely certain in life is you will fail at something at some point, even if you're if you think think you're perfect. Most of us are not. Okay, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so when you fail, mm-hmm. don't try to fall have a fall back position. Try to have a fall forward position. So it's it's the art of learn learning to fall forward. You know, when you learn to ski, they tell you to fall forward. Yep. Don't fall back because when you fall back, you die. You fall forward, you you get up. Right. So what is the fall forward nugget from every failure? Because, you know, all the failures I've ever faced, eventually they shaped who I am. They made me a better person. They made me a better businesswoman. They made me make decisions that are smarter, faster. And so you can count on failures, but you got to manage them. Yeah. Um, So I think that's, you know, and the other thing I want to say to um, a lot of the people that are listening to is, um, sorry, somebody doesn't realize I am on TV. So (laughs) it happens a lot. I have a live show sometimes, you know, my daughter is calling me, Mama, you're like, it's it's it it happens more often than you'd like to expect. Yeah. So um, whatever, I, I lost my train of thought, but. You know, if you think about um, in, I, I don't know, but I hope things are better in Australia than it is in America. Because in America, we have, we're at sort of like an expert-driven society. Mm-hmm. So experts go on TV, they tell you, they predict all these things, and they tell you all these wonderful things about what they know and in their expert opinion. Yep. Okay. For example, back in the 80s, um, I'm old enough to remember the 80s. You know, everybody was telling us what what stocks to buy, what dot com stock, all the dot com boom. Remember the dot com boom? Oh, certainly do. Okay, so even as these companies were making no money, I mean, they were losing their shirt. They were always telling us which you know which dot com stock to buy. Yep. Well, guess what? It all led to the dot bomb. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> it became a dot bomb disaster. Uh, the real estate, uh, you know, business where you just buy a house, paint, and you flip it over. There was no value in it, and we ended up with cities full of. I mean, Las Vegas. I have my second home there. You know, I have a broker friend who used to get like a three dollar check for commissions for selling a house. That, that is how low these prices yeah, were. Yeah, wow. So, don't listen. Don't like stake your future on an expert. Stake your future on what you know who you are, and Americans hate perfect people. That's, <laughs> I learned that. <laughs> Americans don't want perfect people, all right? I mean, nothing against pretty perfect people, yep. but Americans don't want perfect people with perfect lives preaching or teaching to them about what you should do. Americans love people who are imperfect, flawed people who don't have a whole lot, who's trying their hardest. That's who they root for. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, so if you if you fit that description, if you fit that, hey, you know what? I'm not perfect. I mean, I have glaring weaknesses, uh, but I'm trying my best. I'm working on these things, and even though I'm imperfect, I am really, really good at this one thing. Yeah, you know that's that's a great formula for small business to succeed. So, 
you know, I don't want anyone to think like I'm here bragging about myself. Um, it's no, but really you should. About- but you should actually give yourself some credit because you've achieved some incredible things. And you know, at the end of the day, this is where the value for this show comes in, Victoria, because you're sharing your wealth of knowledge, and you can't buy experience. So. I'm, I'm loving the call. Thank you very much for opening the door. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. You can ask me. No, I, I did have a question actually in terms of, um, you know, we, we always see the success. We see the, the shiny side of things, but do you ever have any downtimes emotionally, psychologically? And what did you do when you went through those times? What sort of nuggets could you share with us there to rebound? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because I'm actually uh, in my book that I'm writing. Uh, this was a very hard uh, part, portion of the book because it is very emotional. And, you know, when you have these down times, uh, I, I got to the point where it was so depressing, so hopeless that I thought, you know, my dad used to say America is the promised land. You know, that's where all the dreams come true. Yep. And I used to tell him, you know, America all the dreams that you talked about was just that. It was just a dream. It's never going to come to reality. Um, but I actually hung on to hope because I had no other choice. You know, there was nothing else to fall forward, far back to. I had no other choice but to hold on to the tiniest little thing that what if this could come true? Yeah. So the fact that I grew up, you know, in East Los Angeles, where uh, back in, you know, I moved from like a very idyllic, like almost like what we would see in Australia, you know, on a little island uh, on a beach. And I come to America and there were like barbed wires and, you know, gunfights and stuff like that at my school, which I had never seen before. Major so contrast. it was, yeah, it was really scary. But I think that um, when I, the times when I, failed and I feel like, okay, you know, I, my business went pretty well and then it would just stop. Mm-hmm. And then I would go, okay, well, maybe I just like bucked the trend. Maybe I beat the small business failure rate of 75% in the first two years by a year. Maybe this is my year. It's my third year. Maybe I just got a delayed failure coming in. So, you know, you start thinking about this way, but, but then, you know what I said to myself, okay, God didn't put me on earth so I could work this hard come this far just to starve and to be desperate and destitute. I refuse to do this. So I'm going to have to give it one more try. And I'm a huge uh, fan of collecting uh, quotes from people that had accomplished great things. And so if you look at like Thomas Edison's um, journey and he talks about his failure, because I'm an avid reader, you know, and he's, he tried his experiment a thousand times. He failed a thousand times. The 1,001st experiment ended up with the light bulb. Yep. So <laughs> great Game is that, changing. right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you look at these people that accomplished great things, I mean, Galileo was like hunted down by the government because they thought this guy was absolutely cuckoo. <laughs> you know, he yep. was literally like minutes before being skinned alive. So... I, you know, it's very dramatic examples of it, but I had to hang on to these kinds of the, the far, far what ifs yep. because I had nobody like you or me telling people, look, this is normal. Failure is normal. I plan that into your business plan. Yep. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? Absolutely. It's like, 
Yeah. So it's normal. There's nothing wrong with you. Yep. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is, I mean, look at what happened in the year 2020. OK, you could have done everything right. I mean, you could have had a Harvard MBA. You could have a thriving business. Well, COVID wasn't your fault. No, right. No. So some failures are not your fault. Some failures are your fault. But either way, the the lesson there is creative entrepreneurs, persistent entrepreneurs, people who love their passion, find a way to innovate, elevate, amplify. And, um, you know, I'm not a big uh, buzzword person. I like, yep. you know, in all my writings and everything, I try to make it so that no one has to ever look up a dictionary word. <laughs> Simplify. Simplify because, you know, every time somebody has to look up a dictionary word, it's an opportunity for you to lose, on, you know, lose your audience. Of course. So, um, but I will say that, you know, I think the the more struggles that I had, um, all of the struggles I've had, you know, including not being able to speak English to, you know, all, just not understanding the culture yep. because not understanding the acceptable norm actually helped me a lot. Um, you know, I just didn't even see what the norm is. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, in many cases I would just, you know, for example, you know, when I got into jewelry business, uh, for many of you who are jewelry fans, I mean, a lot of the women actually uh, love jewelry. Almost every woman loves jewelry. When I got into the business, I worked in a like a chain manufacturer, and they would say, "Okay, well, our inventory is um, 18 inch, 20 inch, 24 inches, and 30 inches." There were standard lengths of, of necklaces. It still is today in a yeah. lot of places around the world. Okay, I said, "Well, wh why, why 18, you know, 20, 24, and 30?" Yeah. Well, we've always done it this way. I said, well, do you realize that 80% of American women actually would look better in a 17-inch necklace? Nah. Because it net lands like right on your neck. Or yep. 16 and a half, 17 inches actually is the better, better length. They're like, no, no, no. You know, we don't want that inventory, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, that's your inventory problem. But the customers will look better. You know, you're, you're leaving out all the 16-year-olds who, you know, who have a 15-inch neck. In different trends. And that's your, that's your future customer, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I convinced my boss to do the 16 inch necklace. I got 15 and a half, 17, those odd sizes, you know, they were 25% of his total business at some point. Um, bracelets were always ordered in size seven inch bracelet. Okay. Yep. So I said to him in my family, no one can wear a size seven. All the Asians out of the family were size six and a half. All the Caucasian size of the family were size eight. So why are you offering only the one size that doesn't, nobody can wear? It doesn't right? fit all, does it? No. So I convinced him to offer like six and a half, seven, seven and a half, eight, eight and a half. And that was 50% of his total uh, bracelet business because he had all the market around the world. Yep. So just by, just by not accepting the norm um, and, you know, and also being customer centric, I was always customer centric. So like when I go on TV... Um, and you're going to really like this because you're you're on you're like live streaming. <laughs> and this is a nugget made probably for everybody who's podcasting. You know, I get all the podcasters like they I get a lot of keynote speech uh, requests for this because of my relationship with my TV audience. Yep. So when I go on TV, I would uh, so we will have a jewelry day. And so I, I have other jewelry. I would follow other jewelry designers before me. And they would go on, talk about, you know, I, I designed this wonderful necklace and I was wearing this and I, you know, I was next to, you know, so-and-so on a yacht and, you know, everybody complimented me. It's great. And, you know, it's so-and-so. <laughs> this is one 
avenue, I guess you can talk about. Uh, what I do is I go on TV. So I go on, instead of saying like, you know, I designed this and I love this and I love the spring colors and I love the pastels and I love crickets, you know, whatever. And I designed this wonderful, lovely collection for you. So I don't do that. I have like a five to one ratio because I believe that the most powerful word in marketing is not free and it's not new and improved. That word is the word you, Y-O-U. So when I go on TV, I would say something like, oh, my God, I didn't realize it's already spring. But guess what? During COVID, you know, I COVID even like I, it inspired me to design all these wonderful things you know, around nature, reminded me more about nature. And I'm, I know you're going to love it because when you go out to live your life again with your family, with your friends and go back to your work. Well, you're going to be connecting with all these people, having a great old time. Everyone's going to be looking at your new collection. It's you, you, you. And yeah, and you know what? It's going to make you, you know, all the all the people who know you know that you got a pretty good bargain because if those people who know you know that you know how to shop. So here, it's going to make you look fabulous. You're glowing. People are just drooling over you, and they know you got a smart buy. How great is that? Awesome. So. When you talk like this versus <laughs> I was on a yacht and, you know, I was with next yeah, to so-and-so. Yeah, yeah. So I Changes think that up. now in, on TV, I mean, I gave you kind of like a drastic example of the two. That makes sense. But when, it, when they're hearing it, you know, especially like at Christmas time, you know, I'll do a design. I, I usually have a theme. It's like family, friends, and faith. And because yeah, when you brand it, when we brand a show – family, friends, and faith, that tells you the jewelry you're about to see are things that have heirloom quality, things that have more meaning, but not expensive and ostentatious because you wouldn't be ostentatious to your friends and your family, no. right? So it's a lower price point. So it's just a subtle, subtle way of branding it this way. But also when I talk to them and I say, you know what, if you got grandchildren coming in, what a wonderful way to show your personality you know, because when you're not here on Earth anymore, at some point, they're going to remember you for that, your personality, you know, what was you know meaningful to you, all that. So it makes your talking points easier. It also puts you in their living room. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, hey, you know, you're the designer, you're in their living room already. And, and I start my show usually with, thank you for inviting me to your living room. So I guess when you're starting a small business... And you are not on TV. Most people are not. If you're, if you have a web page, um, all of your marketing materials need to be customer centric. It's about them. Yep. And I think if you're, you know, my my show, the Million Dollar Hobbies, is about starting a business based on your passion. And I talk about instead of saying how can I make money on this, and you know, there's all these buzzwords like. How can I monetize this or whatever? Okay, well. <laughs> I'm quite familiar with them. <laughs> I have an MBA and I, 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 that's one thing I learned is all the, all the buzzwords. Yep, yep. Um, so, by the way, I've had to unlearn my MBA yes. um, in order to start my business. <laughs> Just to actually succeed. <laughs> I, had to, I had to earn it. It was like, it was like really something else. And yep. I'll give you an example in a minute. But when you start your business, I tell people, think about what business you're in. You know, think about why your product even need to exist. Is it solving a problem? Is it, uh, you know, helping somebody save money or time? 
Uh, is it helping somebody prevent a problem in the future? Um, is it helping them feel better? I mean, why are you there? Yeah. Because if you can't, if you, you know, if you're just concerned about like, how much money can I make, so then you end up with the choppy, choppy marketing message. Yeah. Because you're always looking for the shiny green buzzword yep. that doesn't connect with anybody, right? Absolutely. So, you know, think about truly, uh, even things like negotiating, I think of, I talk about how you almost have to negotiate for your customer for their best interest. That That's how you become, because you, you and your customer are tied. Right? And, they won't, and they won't even know that, will they? Um, so can yeah. I ask can I ask you about the the book itself? Um, uh, is it is it a is it a long read? Is how does somebody go through it? And ultimately, I guess uh, the next question is going to be where are they going to get it? It's not out yet. Right. Um, it's interesting because I always thought I would self publish the book. Um, the science fiction, I thought I would always get like a big publisher to publish it because it takes money to do a movie and all that. So, yep. uh, so I, the, the how-to, I thought I was going to just publish it myself and uh, because I have a huge following. And what happened was, um, and, you know, you guys, I'm just being really candid with you. So what happened was I had the whole marketing plan. I had a landing page, all this stuff done on my website, and I was promoting the upcoming book. And then I ran into this, like, Meet the Agents event, um, and these were highly curated, like super duper agents, you know, like movers and shakers. They were all in one place and I was able to meet them. And I thought, you know, I'm going to self-publish it, but I'm always a learner. I'm always interested in learning. I have this undying curiosity about things. Yeah, I'm grateful. So I thought, yeah, I thought, you know what? I'm going to participate in that. I'm going to pitch my book. And so there were 11 agents. And um, when I pitched my book, I told them, I said, look, I'm not trying to sell the book. I'm trying to improve the book. So can you guys just give me your professional feedback on the title of the book, the subtitle, the cover, because I had already designed the cover. Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't think, think about selling it, you know. And then what happened was all 11 agents, they were like, you know what? We could sell it today. Like I could sell it now. Your book is like, <laughs> it's just like a no brainer. I could sell it. It's so well, like proposed and Structure. the concepts around the money and your, your story is just astonishing. Right. So, um, then I thought, okay, well, you know, it just, you know, I'm not sure, but then two of them said, we can get you an advance for the book. Oh. So I thought, well, if I'm getting paid to sit out, maybe I will sit out. So. <laughs> <laughs> <a> no brainer. <laughs> so the next question was, oh, how much? You know, because I have a, I have a killer market. If you ever want to write a book, uh, Rick, I can tell you, like, I got a killer plan for this. Awesome. So so basically, I'm now waiting for the publisher to get back to me okay. with, yep, yep. Uh, with the money deal. Yep. But they can go to milliondollarhobbies.com and sign up for the book. Excellent. And, it, and the book is really not written to make money so much. But um, and I and I hate to like I, I don't want anyone to miss. Um, misinterpret kind of what you're trying to say. No, yeah, look, what I'm saying. Loving it. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is that um, I'm not Oprah Winfrey. I'm not, you know, Michelle Obama. I'm not anybody that successful. But in my own journey, where my dream in the beginning was just to be able to own my own car, like a beautiful car, um, and and just be able to like exist in the world. Mm-hmm. From that dream to building a $500 million business where I never, ever, ever, ever have to worry about money. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't had to worry about money for a couple of decades now. 
because I also live very, very low, be, 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 well below my means. Okay, I live with no debt. What's the word? Frugal? Frugally? Not necessarily frugally, but I don't buy anything I can't afford. Not, not too exorbitant. Yep. Not not too, nothing exorbitant. I love um, it. You know, I love, I love yeah, the balance. When you, yeah, and when you come to my home, it is a very nice home, really nice neighborhood. But I don't have anything so nice that um, my husband is. You know, he's also very humble, and he said like. He wouldn't let me buy anything really nice for furniture. And I said, well, we earned it and it's not that ostentatious. And he says to me, you know, when people come to your home, you want them to be comfortable. Like you want, you don't want them to think like, oh my God, can I sit here? It's so yep, nice. Yep. Can I sit here? He also don't said, like, the you white want, leather. yeah, it also, <laughs> he said, you don't want people to think like they, you guys are, we are so successful that it makes them feel bad. So he said, when people come to my home and they leave, we want them to feel a little bit sorry for us. So, <laughs> it's true. Oh wow! It's true. You wouldn't, ex- I wouldn't expect that in a million years. Yes. So he went. You know, he went to fancy school, and all these friends. Like when we go to um, reunion and stuff, they're like, "Well, what do you do?" And we're standing there. We're the only people with like nothing fancy, which is very simple. And he, he would say, "Well, we're like sort of." Gainfully unemployed or something. Gainfully unemployed. <laughs> because we're not really employed by someone. Yeah, I understand. But we're gainfully employed. So you know, it's kind of a fine word, but you know, they feel sorry for you because then they come to our house and they, we don't have anything fancy. I mean, we have nice things, but we're not like, you know. Yeah, no. Nah. So yeah. he wants everybody to feel sorry for us. So what happens is they go and we end up with like, we, we end, last time we were um, his reunion, I ended up with like free tickets to Deer Valley, free tickets to the the box seats for the Boston Red Sox pay, playoffs. I mean, these people felt sorry for us. Um, and I said, I said, like, I feel terrible now. I feel like I'm getting. Uh, you should. Uh, look, I think you know. In closing, I just have to say, Victoria, that that your humble nature, your husband's humble nature, your conservative almost approach to to living life and serving others yeah. shines through. It is an absolute credit to you. Now, if I can just ask you in closing to share, um, you have two websites and I know that you are on, on a number of others. Uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing those domains uh, where people can find you. Yeah, so you can go to uh, www.victoriawick.com, W-I-E-C-K. And it tells you all about my whole wide world. Fantastic. And then the milliondollarhobbies.com, um, it's, all, it's all about the podcast. And by the way, anybody who wants to be on my podcast, you don't have to be famous. You don't have to be super successful. Mm-hmm. You just have to be somebody extremely passionate. Um, they can come on my show. There's an application form. They can yep. fill them out. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, so what I was telling you earlier was that now I'm really working on my legacy of um, empowering, educating. And when I come on a show like this, I'm not I don't want to just talk about what I've accomplished or just to inspire you and encourage you. I want you to take action. I want you to go home today and think, oh, my God, like I'm a big person about the one thing you can do today. So what is the one thing I can do today to cause another action tomorrow? Because everything starts with one action. You know, just believing you can do it doesn't do anything. You got to do something, yeah, one thing. Absolutely. And that one thing could be writing down, clarifying your dream. That one thing could be re-evaluating, um, reprioritizing how you're going to spend the rest of your life post-COVID, right? Yeah. So, you know, think about the one thing you can do today because that would have been worth 
my time, your time, and all of our listeners' time. I yeah. think that you know. So. What a what a summary! What a what a wrap up of a wonderful call. It's just been an absolute gem. I've really enjoyed it, and I know full well, Victoria, that those uh, individuals, the entrepreneurs, the small business owners that have been listening to this particular episode, have their pen in hand. They're busy writing down notes. Um, your successes are a credit to you. And in closing, thank you so very much for joining me on the My Future Business Show today. Thank you. You've been listening to Million Dollar Hobbies, where we turn dreams into reality and passion into profit. According to ancient Chinese proverb, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Congratulations on taking that first step today. For more information on how Victoria can help you turn your hobby into a million dollars and to download Victoria's free ebook on passion-based business ideas, visit milliondollarhobbies.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player.